Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello. I'm Jessica Dory. And I'm Howard Dory. And welcome to Plotting Through the Presidents. We take deep, reverent dives into lesser-known stories of the early United States. Very deep. Very irreverent. <laughs> we are crawling out of a hole of sickness. Yeah, the illness was bad, you guys, and I'm convinced we'd all be dead if it weren't for modern antibiotics. Oh my goodness, yeah. And, you know, those oxygen masks. Yeah, I mean, our son spent the night in the hospital with RSV. Yeah. Um, it was it was bad, and he's so much better now. Yeah, and we're re-emerging into, into the public. Yeah, so thank you for your support and, and understanding. Your, and your patience. Yes. Well, I hope this is worth the wait. This is the first of a two-part series. What? Yes, where we are going to take a look at a bizarre rivalry, not between presidents, but between two toys named after presidents. Oh, I think I can guess. Yeah. The beloved... Teddy bear? Yes. And the decidedly unbeloved Billy Possum. Oh, well, that's weird. Named for William Howard Taft. That's too bad. All around. (laughs) All around. It is, yes. Um, When I decided to dig into the history of these toys, I thought that this would be a fun, light, fluffy episode, and there is fun. Yeah, because it's Christmas and Hanukkah. Yes, exactly. Um, But there's a lot more than fun going on here. There's greed and exploitation and mystery and racism and gender politics and and a dash of murder. Uh, that That might be in our next episode. The stories behind these stuffed animals are like a window into um, a country that was changing a lot in the first decade of the 1900s. And the teddy bear and the billy possum were right there in the middle of it, and maybe even the cause of it. Oh, so I know what a teddy bear is, obviously. Yeah. What on earth is a billy possum? That you'll have to... I can't even visualize it. (laughs) You will have to wait until our next episode for the billy possum. We're focusing uh, this week on the teddy bear. Well, I know what a teddy bear is. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, thanks for joining yeah. us, everybody. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> How many times do you think we've made that joke? <laughs> I, I don't know. And we're done. <laughs> I feel like, you know, someone needs to go through and count because I think that's at least the fifth time. Maybe. I don't know. I may have it's edited joke some of that them that we out. just keep. It's the joke that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes. So this week, in the first part of the series, we're going to dig into the origins of the teddy bear. Okay. And if you've only ever heard the sanitized, kid-friendly version, um, this is going to be eye-opening. I haven't heard any versions then of I'm, the teddy bear. I'm so excited for I just you. know they gave one to me in the hospital instead of my baby. <laughs> that oh. I remember. Wow. I know. It was. It's strange. When your baby's taken to the NICU, you get a teddy bear. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know what? This is not cutting it. No, no. It's a nice thought, but it's really so, so minuscule compared to what you actually need and want. I mean, I thought the teddy bear was more for the kid, but... No, it was for the mother. Wow. Apparently, 
dressed in a little hospital gown. It's like, here's your teddy bear baby instead of your real baby. Oh, man. I don't think they said that. It's dark. They didn't say it exactly like that. Like, Hmm. well, here's a teddy bear instead. Something like that. It was really, (laughs) it was really dark. Wow. I was not a fan of that. But maybe some women like it. I don't know. Um, Sorry, I digress. Yeah. So heads up, um, some of the content in this episode does include violence against animals and people. I don't know. You're out. You're looking looking at me like, are you going to remain? Yeah. Well, hunting type of violence. That's still terrible. Yeah, we're going to get through this. Let's do it. We're also going to look at the huge impact that this toy had on America in the first decade of the 20th century and why some people thought it was going to bring about the end of civilization as we know it. Wow, that's a lot of weight. It is. this teddy bear. This teddy bear is busy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so let's start with Act One. This is Act a story one? in three acts, by the way. So no, let's start with Act Three. You know okay. what? Yeah. All right. You know what? Let's just start with the outro. Okay. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for plugging yeah. along with us. See you next time. That's the sixth time oh, man. we made that joke. Someone count. <laughs> so get ready because mm-hmm. we are going on a bear hunt. Okay. Yeah. Gonna catch a big one. Are you scared? I'm not scared. All right. <laughs> So most stories about the origin of the teddy bear trace the history back to one specific hunting trip in Mississippi in 1902. Wow. Taken by the 26th president of the United States, Mm -hmm. Teddy Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. Now, Roosevelt wasn't exactly welcome in the South at this time. Uh, Not by many of the white people anyway. Well, first of all, he was only president because William McKinley had been assassinated. Mm. The people didn't really choose him to be president. I forgot that. Yeah. And as soon as he became president, right off the bat, he did things that infuriated a lot of Southern whites. Like what? Um, Well, first, he spoke out forcefully about lynching. Mm -hmm. And then in 1901, Roosevelt invited Booker T. Washington, a black man, Mm -hmm. to dinner at the White House. How dare he? This outraged a lot of racist people oh my well they I can see why they were not subtle about their feelings mm. i feel like that subtlety has gone away today too maybe I mean, it's like really out there again yeah yeah but it was it was really out there yeah back I'm then. Sure. Um, yeah of and course one senator from south carolina said now that roosevelt has eaten with that n-word washington we shall have to kill a thousand n-words to put them back in their places. Oh my God. That was from a sitting US senator. That's disgusting. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot more examples where that came from, but that's what the situation was. And he said Roosevelt that publicly. And the South, yeah. Yeah, this helped him where he was from. It's baffling. Definitely. Um, and just a week before this hunting trip, Roosevelt had named a black man, a doctor named William Crum, to a high federal office. This was the first time that that had ever happened. And the position, it was a collector of customs, but it was in South Carolina. So there was some tension between the right. South and Roosevelt. And that was the environment at the time. White supremacy, segregation, Jim Crow laws, and lynchings. So when he went on this hunting trip, there was a valid fear that he might be assassinated. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Was yeah. he in fear of his life at all? Because it sounds like he was brewing a lot of you know, controversy. I mean, there were bodyguards. There was The location of this hunt was kept remote and secret. Telegrams about it were sent in code. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, his security was definitely... Aware and taking action. Yeah, especially since his predecessor had been assassinated. Right. Yeah. Which is a whole other story. Yes. 
To set the stage for this hunting trip, it's important to know that big game hunting was part of Teddy Roosevelt's identity. He'd always been interested in it, and he had amassed one of the biggest libraries of books about hunting these big animals in the world. And he even wrote a few of them himself. Okay. Years before this bear hunting trip, in 1884, he lost both his wife and his mother on the very same day, Valentine's Day. He lost his wife and his mother? Yeah. His mother died of uh, sickness, and his wife, um, I think she died of Bright's disease just two days, I think, after um, she'd had their child. That's awful. Yeah. So his diary entry for that day, I think, says something like, the light has gone out of my life. And that's it. I'm so sad. Yeah. I don't have the reserves right now to compartmentalize that <laughs> sadness. I just want to cry. No, I understand. Um, but that that was one of the defining moments of his life. The and, loss. That yeah. loss. Oh, my gosh. After that, he thrust himself even more into big game hunting mm-hmm. as a hobby and mm-hmm. almost a religion where he was one with nature. It's so awful to think of someone doing that, though. Yeah. And then on the other side, be kind of pro-civil rights. Well, yes. And I mean... It's like, who are you? I don't understand how you could value equality in human life and then go shoot a bear, you know? Well, the, the more interesting sort of contradiction with Roosevelt was that he was a huge conservationist. And he basically established more national parks than anyone, like... To him, anything that hurt nature um, or defaced it or anything like that was was terrible. But, but he, he saw, was one of those people. <laughs> he saw hunting as something that the animals were replenished and it was like a cycle. And um, you weren't wiping out the animals. You were just, you know, part right. of that ecosystem in a way. What did he do with the animals afterwards? I'm not exactly sure if they okay. were stuffed or eaten or, right. or what. But I mean, it, it was a sport for him. For right. sure. I mean, it could be worse, but it's just, I just can't imagine being the one to directly take the lights out of an animal yeah. in its environment. Although maybe that's hypocritical since I eat meat. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of arguments out there that could say that's hypocritical. It's true. And he was aware that, you know, some people could see this as a contradiction, but yeah. these are... We all contradict ourselves yeah. in some ways. I mean, I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm just saying that none of us are completely linear or... <laughs> Um, sensical. Yeah, and definitely. And especially, we, we do reflect the times that we live in in certain mm-hmm. ways, too. Yes. And Although you know how I hate that argument <laughs> with some things. Absolutely, so do I. Um, but we're going to see that Roosevelt also had some contradictions when it came to race as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But we'll get to that later. Um, but he'd made a name for himself as a hunter, especially as a bear hunter. But there was one bear that he'd never hunted. The Louisiana black bear. And it was supposed to be a thrilling experience. You're on a horse in the woods chasing dogs who are chasing a bear. Wow. Yeah. Why didn't that bear turn around and go, fuck you? Maybe it did sometime. Okay. <laughs> um, in 1902, Roosevelt, he was invited by the governor of Mississippi to join this big hunting party to get some of these bears. But he said no. Not because he didn't want to hunt black bears. He very much did. But because he didn't want to be a part of some big group effort, he wanted to kill one of those bears himself. Yeah, he was super clear about this. Uh, He ended up signing on to a different hunting trip with fewer people. And he wrote to the trip's organizer and he said, I want to kill one bear myself without fail. 
Under ordinary circumstances, of course, each man would take his chance, but I'm going on this hunt to kill a bear, not to see anyone else kill it. And he said it was okay. Yeah. He said it was okay it's if the other guys, you know, if, if you're, you're going to go through all this effort to go on this trip, you got to... He wants to be the killer. He needs it's to be the weird. killer. It's just weird. It's not like a... You think of other things in nature, like a river rafting trip and how everyone kind of works together. Exactly. But you don't think like, oh, I have to be the driver. It's funny because that was how hunting trips were thought of by many people. This like group effort. Right. But, but not Roosevelt. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's a strange sentiment. But yeah. it's okay. I mean, he was okay with other people killing bears just after he got his. He wanted his Louisiana black bear. And he wanted he needed the first kill. Oh my gosh. He needed it. I wonder if part of it was thinking about like the press and how things would be reported and how it might make him look bad if he didn't kill the bear. Didn't maintain his reputation and yeah, I don't okay. know. But he, he was like a contestant on The Bachelor that says, like, I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> he said he wanted a hunt, not a picnic. And if there were too many people, he said it becomes a spoiled hunt and a poor picnic. The man tasked with making sure that this hunt went off without a hitch and that Roosevelt got the first bear was a man named Holt Collier. And Holt was a legend. For hunting? A hunting legend? In general, but mostly hunting. Holt the hunter? Holt the hunter. He was 56 years old at this time. Um, He was a black man, possibly with some Native American ancestry. Uh, He was a former slave who was so loyal to his masters that he fought for the Confederacy. Wow. Which was super rare. He also, he lived in Texas for a while where he was a cowboy. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm trying to grasp at this identity (laughs) there are so many things like we could talk about holt collier for a while Uh like he had a random conversation with with teddy roosevelt where teddy was like oh you have any kids and he's like yeah i think about 14 what and but he there he traveled a lot oh my gosh he was a maybe an adrenaline junkie interesting i would say okay um because the most important thing to us is that he killed his first bear at 10 years old and it's said that he killed up to 3,000 bears. I'm like, well, that does impact a species. Yeah. Um, that's but, not just part of the ecosystem. That's like impacting a species. You know, the Louisiana black bear is still there. It's finally coming back. Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know. Thanks, Holt. Yeah. So wow. The lower estimates of his kills of bears, it's 1,500. Oh, my god! That's still a lot of bears. It's, just, it's so many. It really is. He must have killed multiple a day. I mean, you have to be Um, killing more than one a day. Yeah. Later in life, when he had this established reputation, he would lead hunts. He would be like the person you would hire to organize a hunt for you and and take you and help you get that bear. Like um, an Everest Sherpa. Exactly. Yeah. Holt relied on his beloved hunting dogs to track bears. Uh, The dogs, they tracked the scent of the bears. Then he'd follow the dogs, and the dogs would get the bears to climb trees and stay up there until he'd come along on his horse and and take a shot. Wow. His dogs were everything to him, and he went out of his way to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. There's a story that that one time his dogs had chased a bear into a fallen, hollowed-out tree. Mm -hmm. And this is Holt's dogs, right? Yeah, this is Holt's dogs before... um, He met Roosevelt. Exactly. Holt got there, and he saw that one of his dogs had run in after the bear into this hollowed out tree and it wouldn't come out and he could hear the dog whining. So Holt crawls into this dark, narrow tree cave 
and this blackberry like comes running toward him. He stabs it a few times and it gets past him though. And the bear dies, but it's stuck in the entrance to this tree. Oh my God. So Holt's trapped in there. No way out. Lucky for him, his hunting partner dragged the bear out with a rope and he lived to tell the tale. (laughs) But that's, that's just an example of how far he was willing to go to save his dogs. Yeah. Which is important. Okay. What does Roosevelt do to his dogs? Why, why would Roosevelt do something to his dogs? I don't dogs? know. Yeah. The story has to come together somehow. <laughs> you would hope. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of faith in me. <laughs> is it? We'll see. <laughs> what if I just kept saying, this is really important for later, yeah. but never came back to I any mean, of those I mean, that's things? what you're saying, though. This is important. Something to keep in mind. Yeah. So for this big presidential bear hunt, mm-hmm. Holt arranged everything in secret. He scouted this remote, uninhabited, undisturbed area in Sharkey County, Mississippi, uh, in between the Big Sunflower River and the Little Sunflower River, just to give you some sense of where we are. Yeah, that helps. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. Thanks for that. He set up multiple tents for a party of like 30-some people, because even though Roosevelt was like, we got to keep it small, they couldn't keep it smaller than that, apparently. How many? 30-some. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's, you know, a couple reporters. There were the, the Holtz crew. Um, a lot of the people there were not hunting. And that was okay with Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. As long as they, you know, stayed, stayed in away. camp, stayed quiet. Yeah. But Holt. It's a, an event. Yeah. Holt, he also cleared brand new trails for this hunt. It was like a major event with a ton of work involved. Um, like a, a proper bear hunt. It's, it's a lot like a wedding. I was just going to say this is a small wedding. Yeah, that's what I've always said about bear hunts. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You've always said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I thought, should I be a wedding planner or a bear hunt planner? Because a, a bear hunt planner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can picture you in either of those roles. Yeah. Very fitting. Very <laughs> fitting. <laughs> They're like, okay, what kind of gun should we use and where can we find the bear? And I'd be like, all right, guys, we need to talk about the tents. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's the candlelight in this area? <laughs> um, the videographer is going to be here in a minute. <laughs> um, as if there's not enough pressure on Holt. When the president steps off the train at Smead Station in Sharkey County, Mississippi, mm-hmm. all dressed for the hunt, gun in hand, <laughs> um, he's greeted by a few hundred black folks that were uh-huh. there to greet him. Um, and the president walks up to Holt, extends his hand and says, so this is Holt, the guide. I hear you're a great bear hunter. And he wasted no time telling Holt <laughs> that he expected to see a bear the first day. And that he would kill it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Holt already knew. Okay. It was clear. <laughs> yeah. The president he needs verbally, the first kill. He didn't verbally like confirm that. He probably did multiple times. I'm, I'm just guessing. Oh my gosh. Um, but now it's gone from the president needs to get the first bear to the president needs to get the first bear tomorrow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what happens if he doesn't? I, I don't know. There's a lot of disappointed people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you don't want to be the person who killed a bear before Teddy. <laughs> this is true. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, Holt was kind of like, that's not really how this works, you know. We see a bear Um, when we see a bear. (laughs) But the sheer force of Teddy's personality and his enthusiasm got Holt to promise that the president would get a bear the first day, even if Holt had to lasso a bear to make it happen. Jeez. And they all laughed at the idea of lassoing a bear, uh, except for Holt, who was like, (laughs) I'll show them. (laughs) Um, But he's also thinking, like, what have I got myself into? Yeah. So the day of the hunt comes. He had a plan. 
Holt knew that there was this watering hole that he was pretty sure he could get a bear to run through. So he put Teddy and another man there in a blind at 8 o'clock in the morning, and he said, stay here. Just just stay here. I'm going to send the bear right in front of you. Teddy Roosevelt didn't go down to Mississippi just to sit on a log. But if he insisted on killing the first bear and doing it that day, then Holt was going to do everything he could to guarantee a bear for Teddy yeah, and keep the president him up safe. For, yeah, exactly. set him up for success. Yes. So Teddy waited in that blind um, until about 1 p.m. And when they couldn't hear the dogs anymore because uh, they were so far away, uh, he and his friend said, screw this. And they went back to camp for lunch. So soon after they left, Ugh. Holt finally got a bear that he and his crew and his dogs had been pursuing for hours, like crossing oh river God. multiple times, going through these like thickets. Um, oh they finally got it to go exactly where it was supposed to go. It's like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> I mean, with less laughs. Yeah, and more bears. And more death. Um, so Holt got the bear where he wanted the bear to go, where he knew the president was. And he waited to hear the shot. No shot came. <laughs> and at this point, he's thinking, what do I have to do to deliver this bear to the president? <laughs> then he hears the barking of his dogs oh, no. turn into yelping. <gasps> the bear, with no one shooting at it in this little lake, turned back on the dogs. Uh. Holt catches up to them, and he sees this black bear standing in the water, holding on tight to one of his favorite hounds. Oh, no. At this point, Holt can't shoot the bear because he might, he might shoot his dog. And also, he's not supposed to kill the bear uh. anyway because Teddy called dibs on the first kill. Oh, my gosh. So but Holt, Teddy left his post. Yeah. If he just stayed there. Um, so Holt jumps off his horse and he trudges through the water toward the bear. And he takes his gun and he swings it at the bear like a club. He slams it into the base of the bear's skull, and the bear releases the dog, but the dog's already gone. Oh. So this hunt... This is awful. Yeah. So this hunt, really Teddy's insistence that he get the first kill, no matter Killed what... Killed his dog. It's already cost Holt his most prized hunting dog, yeah. Oh, Holt is not happy. Well, Holt's got a job to do. Ugh. Holt's there in the water with that bear, and he uses his mad cowboy skills to lasso the damn bear... <sighs> And he ties the end of the rope to a tree. But the bear's still going after the dog, so he clubs it again, which I guess breaks the bear's skull. So Holt's crew bugles for the Sorry, president. Sorry, I'm just grimacing on this end. I have it's not a to pretty say. picture. Yeah. No. Holt's crew bugles for the president, and Roosevelt and some others, they haul ass to find this bizarre scene of a dazed, semi conscious bear lassoed around the neck, tied to a tree. Um,. <laughs> Roosevelt is truly impressed that Holt was able to lasso a bear. I'm just laughing because it's like, here you go. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> On a platter. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, he's standing there in the water with his gun. His friends urge him to, to finish off the bear, you know, get that kill so they can all just enjoy the rest of the hunt. Holt said that he told the president, you know, you don't want to shoot it while it's tied. You know, just we can untie it and you can whatever. Teddy refuses. Refuses what exactly? He refuses to shoot the bear. While it's tied up? Period. He didn't want to be associated with such an unsportsmanlike kill. It just wasn't how he wanted to hunt. And he knew that that would make him look weak. To have this bear presented to him in On this way. And yeah. then shoot it. That story 
over time has evolved into one where Teddy Roosevelt shows this bear mercy and insists that they let it go. One children's book about the origins of the teddy bear says that it's really a story of, a, of an inspiring, life-saving act. But that's not at all what happened. The bear was dying, and Roosevelt wanted it put out of its misery, just not by his hand. So Holt ended up euthanizing the bear with his knife, after another member of the hunting party stabbed it but failed to kill it. Oh, God. Yeah. This poor animal. Yeah, that's what happened there in Mississippi. It's animal torture. Basically, yeah. There's, yeah, not, not a good way to describe it otherwise. I mean, Roosevelt claims that he's all about nature and being part of the balance of the ecosystem and everything, but then has all these people going to all these ends of the earth to present him a bear under his, you know, parameters. Yeah. And then it winds up with all this death. And then he's like, oh, never mind. That's not how I like it. Yeah. No, it's pretty egregious. It's, it's not cool. Um, no, it's not cool. <laughs> Holt must have been so frustrated. Holt was frustrated. Uh, and Holt was um, angry. Was not the kind of person to not speak his mind. So Holt carried this bear back to camp uh-huh. while Roosevelt is still out like hunting again at that point. And there were some reporters there. Mm-hmm. And the reporters were like, oh, did, what did he get a bear? Yeah. And they're like, he would have got this one if he'd listened to me. <laughs> yeah. And this was, you know, not a time where a, a black man could right. just say something like that about the president. About anybody. White. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So that was Holt. Wow. He's interesting. Yes. So I kind of want to see a picture of him just to put a face to the name. What do you just grab out of thin air? You just grab things out of thin air. This is a book called Holt Collier, His Life, His Roosevelt Hunts, and the Origin of the Teddy Bear by... How many teddy bear books um, did you read? I want to know. Minor Ferris Buchanan. How many teddy bear books did you read? Just tell us. I didn't. I read parts of this book and I read lots of other like articles and things, but not a whole lot of teddy bear books. Here's a picture <laughs> of him here. Here's a picture of him when he's older. It's a pen and ink portrait. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, he does look old and wise there, but yeah. I, I don't see the fire that I'm hearing about in that picture. Oh, there was fire. <laughs> yeah. Roosevelt called Holt the best guide and hunter he'd ever seen. They hunted together once more years later, and Roosevelt even invited Holt to the White House, but Holt never went. He said he didn't know anybody in Washington, and there was no good hunting there, so he'd rather stay at home. Roosevelt never got any bears on that trip, but something big did come out of it, thanks to the press. The teddy bear? (laughs) Don't get ahead of me. (laughs) That takes us to Act 2, The Creation Myths of the Teddy Bear. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— 
We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Creation myths. Yeah. Sounds so religious. There's a religious aspect to this story. Really? Oh, yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> what if I just never came back to that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we you We never will. talked about religion. <laughs> So the press had a field day with this story, um, reporting the wild lassoing of this bear by Holt and the idea that Roosevelt missed out on a bear because he got hungry. Um, yeah. But what I mean, be- that's really what happened. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. But what became the biggest part of the story was Roosevelt's refusal to shoot the tied up bear. And that was the inspiration for a cartoon by Clifford Berryman. He was a famous cartoonist in Washington, D.C., working for the Washington Post at the time, and he created a cartoon that became iconic. And I'm going to send you that cartoon. Okay. It says, Drawing the Line in Mississippi. Yes, please tell the jury what you see. (laughs) I see what I think to be Roosevelt with a gun and a big hat. Is that supposed to be Holt in the background? Um, no, that, that is definitely supposed to be a white person. Right. That's why I'm confused. But who is this white person in the background then? Um, they don't say. Okay. Interesting how they just erase Holt out of this picture. Yeah. Well, it may be important that this person is white. Interesting. Anyway, it looks like Roosevelt saying, no, no, no. And putting his gun on the ground. I can't describe this picture. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's Roosevelt with his hand up like a stop sign saying no to the bear the bear, poor bear, is tied up. It looks like a little like cartoon bear, really cute. And there's a white man holding the rope around its neck. Yes. And the caption says... Drawing the line in Mississippi. Yeah. He's drawing the line. Yeah. He can't shoot the bear tied up. Right. So on the surface, this is Teddy saying, no, I'm not going to kill that cute restrained bear. Right. But there's another meaning to drawing the line in Mississippi. Maybe even a couple of meanings. Uh-oh. Some sources say that it's a reference to Roosevelt being there to help settle a border dispute between Louisiana and Mississippi. I don't know about that. It's more likely referencing Roosevelt's opposition to lynching. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, which was very much a thing in Mississippi at that time. Mm-hmm. Around then, a man named Paul Vardaman, who was about to become mayor of the state, he rose to power by saying things like, If it is necessary, every Negro in the state will be lynched. It will be done to maintain white supremacy. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so shocking. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this little cartoon. And drawing the line could refer to the color line, which was another way of talking Mm. about segregation. Mm -hmm. The deeper meaning of what's happening in this cartoon is probably not what caught on with people. It was probably the idea of Roosevelt saving this cute little bear. Mm -hmm. In fact, the response was so positive that Berryman kept drawing bears, tinier and cuter as time went on, in his Roosevelt cartoons, and it became a symbol for Teddy and the party. Wow. Yeah. That's how it developed. Maybe. (laughs) This is a myth? No, this, all this happened, 
Because you did call it Act 1 or Act 2 Myths of the Teddy Bear. Yes. We are about to get to that. Okay. So how did we get... I'm just reminding you (laughs) of what you said. I've thrown a lot of balls up Of what you said you do. (laughs) I made a lot of promises. We'll see. We'll see. Um, So how did we get from this hunting trip and this cartoon to the cuddly teddy bear? The cartoon. Well, the cartoon is a cartoon. It's not something you snuggle up with. Actually, a couple people wanted the cute cuddly bear. Well, maybe. Okay. They're really we'll get to it. <laughs> there are really two different origin stories for the teddy bear. Okay. Two different families who claim that their ancestor invented the teddy bear. Interesting. There's a lot of disagreement and a lot of passion around this debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a clear winner, and we're going to talk about why. Okay. I trust you. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> so the first version comes from New York City, Brooklyn. Morris Mictum a Russian-Jewish immigrant, he ran a little candy shop. And one day, Mm. according to the story, he saw Clifford Berryman's Drawing the Line in Mississippi cartoon. Mm -hmm. And he had an idea. Uh, And it was his wife, Rose, who actually executed that idea. She created a cute stuffed bear. And on February 15th, 1903, they put it in the window of their shop, uh, the bear, next to a cutout of Berryman's cartoon. Mm -hmm. And they called it Teddy's Bear. (laughs) Okay. Passersby saw the bear and they wanted it. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine as soon as he put the bear down, the door opened and uh, the little bell rang and a man in the hat said, how much for the bear, sir? And the rest <laughs> is, it, is history. It's just a normal bear because I'm picturing a chocolate bear because they owned a candy shop. No, no, no. This was a stuffed bear. A stuffed bear. Yeah. Not a chocolate bear. I want it to be chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Womp womp. So according to... It's not chocolate, everyone. Sorry. It's just a normal stuffed teddy bear. Yeah. According to the Mictum family, Morris sent the first teddy bear to Teddy Roosevelt, and he asked him if he could have permission to use his name for this toy. And Teddy wrote back telling them they were welcome to use the name, but he doubted that it would help them sell any bears. <laughs> Mictum went on to manufacture teddy bears and other toys. He founded the Ideal Toy Company, they created the popular Shirley Temple doll at the time and the Betsy Wetsy doll, which was the first doll that you could feed and then she peed. That's still a thing. I yeah. Think. <laughs> Strangely still a thing. Yeah. After his death, his family owned company, um, they brought the Rubik's Cube to America. So this was a big wow. major toy company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the creation of the teddy bear was wholly the invention of this little shopkeeper in this story. It's an example of the American dream. Right. The other version of the teddy bear's origin story comes from Germany with a woman named Marguerite Steiff. Marguerite, uh, she contracted polio at 18 months old. Oh, God. Which caused her legs to become permanently paralyzed Mm -hmm. and her right arm to hurt when she used it. Mm. And this was in 1848 she was born. Mm -hmm. So she was really lucky to have a lot of support and some great accommodations. Yeah. She was taken to school every day in a hay cart And she was assisted up the stairs to the school. She eventually went to a sewing school. And then she started her own clothing business. Her first stuffed animal was actually a little elephant pincushion. But it became popular with kids as a toy. Wow. In 1880, she pivoted full time to making stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. Elephants, dogs, cats, rabbits, giraffes, monkeys. No. (laughs) No. No teddy bears. (laughs) Not I'm yet. Sorry to assume. Not yet. Uh, not yet. Okay. Her motto was for children, only the best is good enough. It's a great motto. Yeah. 
Her nephew, Richard Steiff, uh, he joined the company later. He was an artist, and his sketches of animals that he did at the zoo, um, they were used in a lot of their stuffed animals. In 1902, he designed the stuffed toy bear called the 55 PB. 55 for its height, P for plush, and B for the German word for movable. Um, oh, not which bear. Which is like, Bewerglich. Bewerglich. <laughs> but not B for bear. No, not B for bear. Seems okay. too easy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> he brought that bear to a toy trade fair, and an American saw it and ordered 3,000 of them, which was a massive order that's, at the time. That's some wholesale right there. <laughs> yeah. There are records of all of this, although the identity of the American who ordered these isn't known, um, but there's mm-hmm. evidence of the order. Might have been that, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think Teddy was over there at the time. Okay. Um, Just checking. But there's evidence of this order and that the bears were made. But none of these PB-55s are known to exist today. It's like the holy grail of teddy bear collectibles. If anyone were to find one. Mm-hmm. Send us a picture. I mean, no. I mean, they'd be, you know. Millionaires. Maybe. Yeah. Wow. The fact that none exist, uh, it even sparked a story that this shipment of 3,000 teddy bears uh, were lost in a shipwreck. <laughs> but that story seems to have been made up like decades later. The truth is that these early bears were probably just kind of too flimsy to survive all that time. So that's the Marguerite Steiff origin story. My of mother, the teddy bear. my mother has a teddy bear from her childhood, and it looks pretty run down. You know, they get a lot of love. I guess it did. I mean, there is no fur left. It's like a Siamese cat. Oh man, <laughs> there's on this teddy bear. Not a not a soft spot. I mean, it has a little spot on its ear where I was like, no, your ear is still soft, but the rest of it is just sad. That it's seems a sad teddy bear. That seems to me like either a well-loved or abused bear. I mean, it's questionable. Oh. <laughs> it's debatable there. <laughs> There's one more origin story that I have to mention, and that's the story that the teddy bear was invented by a man named... Theodore Bear. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I mean, yeah, that's ridiculous. It, just, but it sounds ridiculous. You are really tickled by this. It sounds like a Seinfeld you episode. Even, like, you even held your mouth. You were talking about Seinfeld earlier. <laughs> <Theodore> <laughs> it just makes you me like, smile. He- you held your mouth like you were so excited and giddy about it. It, ma- it makes me happy to think about this because <laughs> the truth is there really was a man named Theodore Bear. Mm-hmm. And he was a clothing designer who wasn't shy about the fact that he, you know, his name was Teddy bear so ha 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 um (laughs) it seems that he actually did well not invent but use his name to popularize the teddy bear lingerie or the teddy oh so that teddy is probably named after a man named theodore theodore bear yes theodore bear yeah but somehow (laughs) some wires got crossed and when he died in 1940 a lot of newspapers just ran with the story that he was the inventor of the teddy bear. Well, you can't not do that story since that was his name. You I, know? I guess. It's too perfect. I do a love... little more research, though. No. I mean, <laughs> no. people at this time had heard of Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, yeah, no. Were they like, oh, Teddy, Teddy Bear? Uh, no, no, it had to be Theodore Bear. Uh, <laughs> um, but forget Theodore Bear, because mm-hmm. the real war is between uh, the Mictums and the Stifes, who okay. both claim... They invented the teddy bear. I can tell which one you believe. Yeah, I'm sure that you can. And and I started to wonder about some of the details in the Mictum story, because I kept seeing this date, February 15th, 1903. Mm-hmm. Um, it's listed in a lot of places, 
but I couldn't find any contemporary sources for it at all. Mm. Um, so I searched for references to Mictum and the invention of the teddy bear, and there's nothing until 1938 that connects him wow. to inventing the teddy bear. And that's in funeral notices. So it's after he died that anybody is writing about him being the Which inventor was of his teddy bear. Which one was Mictum? He was the um, candy shop owner in Brooklyn. Right. Okay. That's what I was Yeah. Now, he definitely manufactured teddy bears. There's evidence of that as early as 1907, but I didn't see anything about him inventing them. Right. Or any evidence that he claimed to have invented them. And that's when I stumbled upon a blog called The Early Sports and Pop Culture History Blog by Peter Jensen Brown. He wrote a super thorough, well-researched post called Marguerite Stife, Morris McDum, and Teddy Roosevelt, Hunting Down the Origin of Teddy Bear, he presents a very compelling case that the Mictum origin story is suspicious, super sus. Mm-hmm. Um, so go super th- sus? Did you just say that? Super sus. Okay. <laughs> Who are you? I don't know. You know? <laughs> you like a teen blonde girl? <laughs> <laughs> you know who told me what sus, sus is? Our daughter. Our daughter, who's yeah. eight. Yeah. So now you're speaking like elementary school language. You gotta, you gotta this keep up like with the kids. Teen girl here, you know. Super sus. Super you just sus. said that. That's yeah. something. That's some you know wording on the front of an LOL doll. <laughs> like <laughs> you've graduated to that level. You Congratulations. Know, I'm trying to appeal to all demographics. To all here. ages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but go seek out this guy's blog. It is a treasure. Uh, And it really, it helped make sense of some of the things that I was just kind of wondering about. But he went even further and deeper into the facts behind these stories. He really made the case that the timing simply doesn't work for Mm. Mictum to have successfully started a teddy bear craze. Because that story, it has him starting this toy in early 1903, originating the name teddy bear, and starting this national teddy bear movement. But the thing is, there's no evidence that stuffed bears like this were being sold until late 1905. And and then it's talked about as a hit toy in 1906. Mm-hmm. And then it gets even bigger in 1907. It's just crazy. <laughs> but all the articles about it back then call it a German toy, and mm-hmm. they credit Steiff. Yeah. They say that American knockoffs, which weren't as good as the genuine German Steiff bears, weren't made until 1906. So when did the first myth come about and how? Was it him himself who started that rumor? If it was him, it wasn't in any newspapers or printed sources. So who told that story? His family. It seemed to become family lore. Well, okay, so he was in Brooklyn. The Brooklyn newspaper that wrote about his death wrote a lot of details about his philanthropic efforts, and Brown goes into a lot of this in in his blog. Mm -hmm. Um, The Brooklyn newspaper is very detailed about this, and it mentions that he manufactured teddy bears, Mm -hmm. but it also talks about the things he invented, like the Shirley Temple doll and Mm -hmm. Betsy Wetsy. It does not call him the inventor of the teddy bear, Mm -hmm. but other newspapers... Started picking up on that and then transferring... That's what seems to have happened, Uh, and it almost seems like the family maybe jumped on that. Mm -hmm. They're like, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds about right. I mean... They're not going to argue. So the story that he wrote a letter to Teddy Roosevelt along with the teddy bear and asked mm-hmm. permission for his name, um, I don't think that was really told until 1949. Wow. Which is crazy because okay. it would have happened in 1902. Yeah, that's ridiculous. There is some corroborating evidence. In 1902, some newspapers talked about different people sending uh, toy bears 
to Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And one of them was from New York. Mm-hmm. But it was because he was really associated with bears and people were just like sending in things that they made. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that was Mictum. Okay. So there's a chance that maybe he and his wife did make a bear. Maybe they put it in their window. Mm-hmm. Maybe they even sent it to Teddy Roosevelt. Right. If he ever wrote back and said, huh, good luck using my name. Yeah. There's no record of that letter anywhere. Uh-huh. The family seems to have lost it. I mean, which is possible. It's possible. Um, there's also no record in, in the Roosevelt archives. And around this time, we know that he wrote to at least one other person who sent him a toy bear, a typewritten letter, mm-hmm. and there's a copy of it within the Roosevelt archives. Mm-hmm. So if he wrote to Mictum, uh, maybe it was handwritten. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brown really goes into all this stuff. Like, I got to credit him for kind yeah. of picking apart these different things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So if Mictum did send something to Roosevelt in early 1903, he wasn't successful Mm-hmm. with bringing the teddy bear to america mm-hmm. because by the time it became a popular thing everybody was talking about it as a german toy that was a genuine article those were the good ones right um so maybe coincidentally he also called the bear a teddy bear but mm-hmm. that doesn't make him the inventor okay in my mind right so i have to say that while the teddy bear got its name from teddy roosevelt the story of the toy itself being created because Roosevelt spared the life of a bear or even just refused to kill it himself, it, it doesn't add up. Stuffed bears were happening with or without Teddy Roosevelt. So Marguerite Steiff created this toy bear with her nephew in 1903. And by 1905, they were becoming very popular. It wasn't until sometime in 1905 or even later that everybody was consistently calling them teddy bears. They were called like toy bears or Johnny bears after this little uh, cartoon character Mm -hmm. in books. So let me get this straight. Yeah. The bear hunt didn't actually lead to a teddy bear. The cartoon made where the bears were getting cuter and cuter and cuter didn't actually result in a teddy bear being made, except unless you're working at this candy shop and you might have put one in your window. But it didn't necessarily lead to the teddy bear that became so popular so the only truth that we can find is the german family who then took it to a market and sold it to an american three thousand of them yeah and then so that's more the and true more and connection more. yes now the berryman cartoon it's unlikely that it would have been called a teddy bear if it hadn't been for this association so closely of teddy roosevelt with bears cute bears mm-hmm. yeah Okay, so that that did serve as like a jumping off point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Stife is the one that then really kicked it off. Stife is the one that was making these bears that probably would have been pretty popular, Mm -hmm. even without Teddy Roosevelt's association. Got it. But the connection of Teddy's name to the bear. It really got it. Okay. Exactly. Right. I just feel like I need to remember this, because what if someone asks me, how did this teddy bear come about they might tell you the I victim need to story know. <laughs> and you and might say, say no whoa, whoa, whoa. that is not Where's your evidence? true <laughs> yeah there's no evidence of that letter yeah um yeah. so when it comes to the origin of the teddy bear clearly i'm team stife yes that is clear <laughs> but regardless of how these bears infiltrated the u.s there's no doubt that the teddy bear craze was real mm-hmm. that brings us to act three our final act the teddy bear craze <laughs> so really kicking into high gear in 1906 and 1907, there were teddy bear books and songs and a popular comic called The Roosevelt Bears. They were everywhere. Gummy bears, 
jumping here and there everywhere. They probably can trace their roots to teddy bears. <laughs> for sure. Just like Winnie the Pooh, Paddington. Yeah, oh my gosh. All of these characters in our we lives. Yeah, the gumpy Fozzie bears. Bear. <laughs> um, it's a lot of bears. Yeah. One ad at the time explained why this was a craze. And it makes sense. It said, it's no wonder they are a craze. The woman or child that can pass them without wanting to hug them cannot be human. They are a psychopath. <laughs> yes, people had to buy them, you see, to prove that their <laughs> wives see? and children were human. You see, my child is not a psychopath. <laughs> or a replicant. <laughs> or an alien. Yes. These original bears, by the way, uh, they came in several different sizes, ranging in price from a dollar to $18, which I have to imagine Must was have like, been like hundreds the then. size of a house. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And all but the smallest Were they different ones, colors? They came in two colors to start with. Oh. Cinnamon and white. Okay. Yeah. Cinnamon. Yes. And all but the smallest ones, some ads say, had voices. They made noise when you hug them. And I, I found references That's to weird. calling them growlers. They growl? The bears made a growling sound, apparently. Um, I'm not sure how these early growlers worked, but I want to try to do a reenactment. Okay. So you, you be a human child or woman, (laughs) excited to hug a teddy bear, and I'll be the bear. Okay, you start. Okay, okay, here we go. Ready? Mm -hmm. You're so cute. (laughs) That is disturbing. Um, I don't like that at all. Okay. It's like a ghost or a skeleton or Hmm. a T-Rex. All right. Okay, well, let's switch. Oh God! All right, I'll be oh, the wait. I'll be the child. I have to make a roar. You're the bear. Hold on. I'm the bear. Uh huh. Oh, look at that little teddy bear! Oh my goodness! I'm gonna give it a big hug. I'm gonna hug it. I love you. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I did listen you to had... one YouTube video of what I think it may have sounded like, so I'll try to do that this time. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hug you. Oh, he's so cute! I'm gonna hug him. <sighs> That's what it sounded like on YouTube? I think that's what it sounded like. We'll, we'll link the video in the show notes, and you can judge for yourself. Well, I'd love to hear everyone's guess on that. Yes. If you think we nailed it. If you have an old growler, you know, send <laughs> us a little video. So this craze. In 1906, it was the hottest toy of the season, and it was eclipsing the baby doll, mm. which was unthinkable. That is unthinkable. Yeah. The Reno Gazette in 1907 was getting quotes from people about the idea that the teddy bear was outselling the baby doll for like the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And it asked one woman about this very subject. And she said, I do not want to give you a statement, but, and that's a great way to start a statement. I'm, (laughs) I'm already in, but I will tell you what I observed and you may draw your own conclusions. Okay. A few days ago, I bought a teddy bear for my little girl. And when she appeared among her playmates with it, she was the proudest child in the crowd. Here's where it turns. Oh, dear. A few hours later, I saw the little girl next door arranging her dolls for a burial while one of the little boys of the neighborhood was digging a grave. That little girl, assisted by the children in the neighborhood, buried all her dolls yesterday. And now she is the proud possessor of a teddy bear. Oh my god, that is disturbing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like saying, 
Like, sweetie, where did all your dolls go? There was a house fire. <laughs> <laughs> I need a teddy bear. Oh, you think that's what she was doing? Like she buried all her dolls so she could get a teddy bear? Oh, I was thinking that she like she had a teddy bear and now she didn't want her dolls anymore. Oh, perhaps. Is this the same girl who already had one? No, it's a different girl. So okay. We don't know exactly what was going We're on. We're not sure what came first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> Maybe not. <sighs> but if you've ever been digging in your yard, and you found an old creepy ass doll and thought, oh my God, I'm living in some like horror movie with satanic <laughs> panic tropes. How did this get here? This is your answer. It was the massive popularity of the teddy bear causing little children across the country to murder their dolls. Yes, to dig graves <laughs> for these little baby dolls. Oh my um, so please, if you know someone uh, or if you yourselves have found a doll circa 1900 and 1910 buried in the yard, don't be alarmed. <laughs> it was just kids professing their new undying loyalty to the teddy bears. There are so many things in this episode that make me want to pull the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, the little, the little precious audience we have. Yes. I really would like to pull the audience on number one. What do you think the growl was? Yeah. Number two. Um, has anyone found creepy 1900s baby dolls? Got a growls dolls. Yeah growls and dolls and then i really want to know how many times we've made that joke okay. about the episode ending <laughs> at the very beginning all right those are the three the three key questions people okay somehow these grave digging children um it's by far not the most disturbing part of teddy bears eclipsing baby dolls <sighs> no it's not huh no the most disturbing part is the strong opposition to the teddy bear from some folks Hmm. especially a Michigan preacher, Reverend Michael G. Esper. His lot in life was to speak against the teddy bear? It's what made him famous. <laughs> he considered the bear an abomination and an assault on God's plans for people. Here are some of his words from a sermon in 1907. Gosh, it's like get a life. There is something natural in the care of a doll by a little girl. Ugh. It is the I'm first. I'm so grossed out by this person yeah. already. It is the it's first. It's like there's like Jim Crow laws going on. Yeah. People, and you're worried about a teddy bear. Sorry, I'm already, I'm already pissed off by this. These person. things are related. Oh, okay. It is the first manifestation of the feeling of motherhood, and the development of these motherly instincts is the hope of all nations. It is a monstrous crime to do anything that will tend to destroy these instincts. Not all nations. That is what the teddy bear is doing. <laughs> and that is why it is going to be a factor in race suicide problems if the custom is not suppressed. Race suicide problems? Yes, we will dig into that. That's a loaded sentence. It is terrible enough that the present generation of parents in this country are leading us into grave danger of race suicide. If we cannot awaken them, let us at least save the future generations. Watch out for that teddy bear. <sighs> he pleaded with his parishioners, bring your babies back to dollies, or you will have weaned the grown-ups of the future from the babies that will never be. Oh my gosh, so dramatic. So It's overly dramatic. Shall we talk about race suicide? Yes, what on earth? It was the idea that white Protestants were starting to have a lower birth rate, and Catholics, along with any other minority were starting to increase in numbers. And this was terrifying to some people. And they especially hated the idea that some white Protestants were choosing not to have kids. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? 
Well, in addition to like horrible eugenics efforts to stop minorities from having children, you crack down on immigration, you crack down on interracial marriage and relationships, you make sure that the only legal sex acts are ones that can lead to pregnancy. Oh, goodness. It's not great. Gracious. This is the concept that this Michigan pastor clung to. To him, the teddy bear could lead to the extinction of his race. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's just so absurd. I, I know. can't take it that people are so passionate about stupid things. I know. Not stupid things, but like things that are just absurd. It was and absurd. racist. Yeah. Most people, when asked about this, kind of shrugged it off and said, that doesn't make any sense. And also, the teddy bear is clearly just a fad. (laughs) They thought like, oh, the teddy bear can't cause race suicide because it's going to be gone anytime and dolls are going to be the only thing. Well, dolls and teddy bears are quite popular today. It's true. They coexist. Most kids have both. Um, At least one of them. It's true. It might seem like a stretch to attach a concept like race suicide to the teddy bear. Yes. Um, But unfortunately, you can attach it to Teddy Roosevelt. Mm. In 1902, he said that race suicide was fundamentally, infinitely more important than any other question in this country. Wow. And he said that the man or woman who deliberately avoids marriage and has a heart so cold as to know no passion and a brain so shallow and selfish as to dislike having children is in effect a criminal against the race. And should be an object of contemptuous abhorrence by all healthy people. But he's a feminist. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, that's disgusting and very confusing. Yeah, he said that a man or woman... Talk about hypocrisy. Yeah, he said that a man or woman who remains childless by choice... Is selfish. Merits contempt. Merits contempt. Yeah. I get it that that Teddy Roosevelt loved kids. (laughs) But... You can be a good citizen and care about the future of your country without adding to the population of it, dude. Yeah. There's so many things wrong. I don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. It is. It's like the the racist aspect, the sexist aspect. The whole idea of criminalizing women who don't want kids. I mean, it's just so gross all, all around. I can't pick it apart verbally right now. But the fact that these toy bears were dethroning baby dolls in sales, it shows what a brilliant toy this was because it appealed to both boys and girls. Yes, it could be your baby. Yeah. Your baby doll doesn't have to be literal. Yeah. It could be this toxically masculine like hunting trophy for a little boy to drag around, or it could be a fuzzy, cuddly baby doll stand-in. Or it can be a hunting trophy for a little girl to carry around. Absolutely. (laughs) You don't have to fit into those pigeonhole, you know, gender boxes. No. Um, Or it doesn't have to be anything like that. Maybe it's just sitting around doing what you're doing. Yeah. But back then, it was something that was ferocious enough for a little boy, but pH balanced for a woman or a human child. Oh, man. And this really speaks to what was so revolutionary about the teddy bear, because baby dolls they were something to be taken care of. And they were seen as ways for girls to learn their expected domestic responsibilities, like taking care of babies and sewing. The first things that girls often learned to sew were clothes for their dolls. Mm-hmm. But teddy bears don't need clothes. <laughs> and they don't need or to Or be- they, they might. You can make clothes for them if you want. No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You can. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also didn't need to be handled with care, like mm-hmm. a lot of dolls at the time. They Which were, were probably porcelain, or yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. 
teddy bears were just soft, cuddly, huggable manifestations of unconditional love without all the responsibility. You could cuddle them without cutting your face. Yes. <laughs> they let kids be kids and mm-hmm. they let girls be kids mm-hmm. and they changed the game. And let boys be kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, for a boy, a little hunting trophy, he probably can't snuggle with that. You know, but if it's a teddy bear, he can. Yeah, this is something that he could. Yeah, absolutely. In a way, it widened the stereotypes. It fit within and then widened them, maybe. Definitely. It, it widened them for both boys and girls at That's the time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, it is. And adults, too. Yeah. Especially women at the time. It was seen as almost like an accessory. And then later associated with like a gesture of romantic love. Yeah, still. Yeah. I remember I got a teddy bear with flowers f- in college for Valentine's Day. Mm. So there's still get, and I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, st- you know, anytime someone gives me a teddy bear, that seems to be my response. Yeah, I did. guess so because that happened then, and then in the hospital, they gave huh. me a teddy bear <laughs> instead of my baby. I'm like, what the? All right, I need to do some different Christmas shopping stuff. Oh, oh, is there a teddy bear in that stocking? <laughs> there's. It's all teddy bears. <laughs> um, I well, so- after this story, it has more of a meaning, so it's nice. Yeah. I wouldn't mind it now. Maybe it's a growler. <laughs> Please don't let it be a growler. <laughs> Your growl is like a skeleton. It's like the sound that goes along with, you know, the man after he drinks the Holy Grail. And- <laughs> <laughs> Indiana yes. Jones, Last Crusade, he drinks the Holy Grail and turns into dust. That is the sound that you were doing right now. That's, and that's, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> that's what a good teddy bear does to you. <laughs> I don't appreciate your version. Um, I found something else about how teddy bears can do special things for grown-ups too. Mm-hmm. There's a Huffington Post article from just a few weeks ago by Rachel Winehouse, and it's called My Therapist Told Me to Sleep with a Teddy Bear. I had no idea how much it had changed my life. Wow. Okay, then. It's a very personal story about the author's past trauma Mm. and how her therapist, about a year into their work together, suggested that she start sleeping with a teddy bear because hugging a stuffed animal would help her be more present, more able to face her trauma. Interesting. Yeah. She kind of, at first, she's like, what? No. But (sighs) then she decided to give it a try. Mm -hmm. And she said that after a few weeks, she was really comforted and more connected and loving toward her childhood self. Oh, okay. That's nice. And her therapist told her, a beloved object can become a psychological representation of yourself. Wow. And over time, it can help you develop self-love and self-reverence. Okay. Maybe that's why they give the teddy bear in the hospital. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's a comfort thing for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty incredible that this creature named for a supposedly sweet gesture of mercy that was mm-hmm. really horrifically violent mm-hmm. and associated with some awful acts of hatred. It's incredible that it went on to become such an agent of love and equality. And comfort. Yes. And it's no wonder everybody wants the credit for inventing it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the most popular toy ever. It's, really. I think so. So that is the story of the origin of the teddy bear. Wow. It's complicated. Yeah. There's a lot there. There's a lot going on. I didn't realize it was so connected to the times and the racism and the, you know, I didn't realize that. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And it, no just, idea. And how much it revolutionized like toys and, Gender you know, roles. childhood in a way. Yeah. 
Very well done. Thank you. Next week, we are going to look at what happened when people feared the teddy bear would go out of style when Teddy Roosevelt wasn't president anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> and how that ignited the effort to make Billy Possum what happen. What the hell is Billy Possum? <laughs> we'll get into it. So that might be coming out in two weeks. We're going to see as we figure out our schedules and get back on track um, after these nasty illnesses. Thanks for bearing with us. <laughs> <sighs> I, I'm very happy to be back on the mic. Are you going to bury your dolls? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it like like you. I can't. I, it's my only gift. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> that would be very sad. <laughs> Aww. Uh-huh. Yes, do you have any more? I mean, I, I could go all night, but that'd be unbearable. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> it's your gift. Um. So check out the show notes at plotpod.com. Consider joining our Patreon for some fun extras. We have fun. Yes. So Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. And happy everything. Yes. Happy everything. And thank you for plotting along with us. Thank you. See you next time. It's not chocolate, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>